All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here with us at the main campus. Welcome to all of you that are joining us online. Great to have you here this morning. A couple things before we get started. First of all, I uh, want to repeat a little bit what Jennifer said on our announcement video because a lot of time nobody's in here for the announcement video. So uh, meet and greet for our youth ministry happening. Sixth graders moving up into youth ministry. So next week or next Sunday for the 930 service, uh, it's an opportunity for your sixth grader parents, meet the youth leaders, got a lot of uh, great people involved in that, give you some comfortability uh, of getting to know uh, the people that are involved in the ministry and also uh, giving your kids an idea um, of the, the kids or the leaders that they're going to be around. So if you have somebody moving up next week uh, is an opportunity to be at breakfast, meet and greet, opportunity to get to know the leaders and get ready for this upcoming summer. The other thing is uh, maybe not so much for you guys that are at first service, but maybe if you ever come to the second service, uh, we need people to help tear down. So we have a setup team and a teardown team. Um, and so we have uh, people needed on our teardown team after second service. So if you're ever around or maybe you're here uh, and you usually come to the second service and you want to uh, be able to get involved and help with that, uh, just let Nichelle know and she'll uh, get you signed up for that. All right, so we're starting a new series called Unshakable Faith. Um, and again, this is a series that we did I actually don't know how many years ago because I couldn't find it in my computer, but it's been a while back uh, that we did this, and it was based around uh, this premise that came out of my own faith journey, some things that um, I looked at, some things that um, I struggled with in the beginning when it came to faith, and then this understanding of how I moved from where I was to uh, the place where I am today and there where I feel like uh, God is moving me or moving us continually in that position. So... It started with uh, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, you know, people said, you need to have faith, okay? So I'm like, sure, I have faith that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and I believe that I need to ask him for the forgiveness of my sins so that I can experience eternity with him someday, right? So I got it, like salvation, faith, and it seemed like that's all anybody talked about, right? So you come, you you know, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you give your life to Jesus Christ and you have faith in what he did for each one of us, so for the forgiveness of sins. Then after that, most of the time that I went to church, we just talked about how to be a better person, right? So stop swearing as much, stop drinking as much, stop, you know what I mean? Whatever it was that you were doing that wasn't that good, part of the church service was just to be better morally, right? So I was on this quest, like, okay, I'm saved, Christ died for my sins, I probably shouldn't be such a heathen, you know, and I should probably start down that road and get, get to be a little bit of a better person. So I was working on that. Then um, I experienced some things that I had never seen before, which, again, I'm not saying that it wasn't present, you know, in the church that I was going to or even the people around me. It's just that I never, I never was in contact with somebody that helped me understand this. Until I went to the mission field, and when I went to the mission field, I met some people that I would describe had unshakable faith. And when I talk about unshakable faith, it was this idea. They had given their life to Jesus Christ, but they had also given their 
life to Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ for something that's going to happen someday, so I'm going to go to heaven. No, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give every day to him and surrender my life over to him, and I'm going to do whatever he asked me to do. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, anything? Like, he asked you, like, anything. And so the one guy that I was talking to, he's from Columbus, Ohio, felt like God called him to go to the mission field in Guatemala. And I said, so did you know Spanish? Nope. Did you know anybody? Nope. And I'm like, how does anybody do that? Like, how does anybody ever get to the point where if God tells you to do something that you would just do it and not be prepared? Anybody else track with me? Like, that seemed like this huge leap, like I would never... I would never be able to get to that point. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how to do the next day, let alone move to another country. So then I landed on this idea, well, maybe that's just for the missionary people, and then there's the normal people like us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the normal people that do life, and then the called people, right? So the called people have great faith. The normal people, we're just trying to support the people that have great faith. Right, So we'll help them, we'll pray for them, we'll give them money, we'll send it over to them. So those people that have great, unshakable faith. Then I started to come back, and one of the things that he challenged me to do was, well, maybe instead of listening to the preacher, maybe you should listen to the Lord. Right? Like, maybe you should get into your Bible. So if you don't have anybody challenge you in having great faith, maybe you should open up your Bible, and you should start listening to what the Lord has to say. And what was so interesting about that is, There was no separation. Like, we're all called to great, unshakable faith, right? Like, we're all called to that. Like, it's not a special person that gets called into something, and then there's other people that support special people. We are all called by God to live by faith. Now, easier to preach about than it is to live, right? So it's easy to preach a message that would say, I read the Bible, and inside of the Bible it says I need to live by faith and do whatever God calls you to do. And, and again, even though that might stretch, uh, stretch us a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's easier to say than it is to do because when we do it, and I think this maybe was the disconnect for me, it actually makes you uncomfortable, right? Like you have to actually move out of this circle of comfort that you're in, into something where God is going to challenge you, and this was probably what was hardest for me. I wasn't in control anymore. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, I could not order every one of my steps. You know what I mean? Like, I was a planner. I still am a planner. I like to have all my things, ducks in a row. But for the first time, it was like, I don't have any idea. Like, I'm just going to have to take a step of faith. And so I started down that journey of, you know, uh, working through faith. But the whole unshakable part didn't come in until later, right? You know what I mean? Because it was like you take a step of faith and you take a step of faith and then all of a sudden, you know, you start to, you start to gain some confidence. You know what I mean? Like the first step, you know, you take and the second step of faith. Then all of the sudden, something happens to challenge your faith. You know what I mean? Like something in life happens. You know, and all of us, I think, have had this. And our response to it, because each one of us will come to this place, if you haven't yet, it's just a forewarning. You're going to come to a place where your faith is going to be challenged, and you have to decide what foundation is your faith on, and are you going to be able to 
withstand that? Are you going to be able to, you know, uh, push through those things? And B, what I was looking at other people saying, like, that's something I want. I want this unshakable faith. I want something that regardless of what happens to me in life, I'm not going to be moved off the mark. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be moved off the mark because, unfortunately, unfortunately, and I think you're going to see this throughout this series, one of the problems in the Christian church in America today is that I think we've moved to this place of we might have saving faith and we might have faith as long as we're comfortable, but as soon as things get un- uncomfortable, we're moving back. You know what I mean? We're moving back to the place that keeps us comfortable. And or, this is what I'm seeing, depending on how bad the situation is that confronts you inside of your life, some people are walking away from faith. Because when they finally get to that place, they're like, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't the way life was supposed to go. These aren't the things that were supposed to happen. If I believed in God, somebody told me this is how things are going to happen, and it didn't happen this way. And so because it's not happening this way, I'm moving off that mark. And so here's my hope. So my hope is this series helps you get to the place where you can start to experience unshakable faith. Now, here's one of the challenges I know. When you move to another country and you live outside of your comfort zone and you know that when you go to church that you might be killed, beaten, you might be arrested or thrown into jail, I guarantee you it's going to take you some faith to go to church. Right? I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm thinking you would have to think about it. Now, I don't know your situation today. The only faith that would take for you to get here today is the faith that that alarm went off. Right? Like, I hope that thing was loud enough to get me up because I need to make sure that I I get there in time. You know, we can come to church today. You can experience God today in the United States of America and be completely comfortable and never challenged to have living faith. Right? So... This series, this is what's coming. So today's about a foundation, so I hope you can put up with me building a foundation because it's going to take some time to put that together. And then the, the next five weeks after this. Now, again, this is not unique to me, so this isn't something I came up with. There's th- these things called the five catalysts of faith. Andy Stanley is the one who developed them or had them. He's the one. I think there's even a book, I think, out there that he wrote. Um, that when we did the series before, it was around the book. But he came up with these five catalysts to develop a person's faith in a place where at times you don't need it. Does that make sense? So in America, this is why I think it's so relevant in the United States of America. You're not usually going to have to have great faith, you know, to be able to live out your life. And so you're going to need some catalysts to experience those things to bolster your faith. Okay, so that's where I'm hoping that, that when we get there, you can use some of these catalysts and you can see some of these things so that we can build that unshakable faith. Because here's what we're going to learn. And, and here's what I, you might know this. So some of you already know this. At some point, your faith will be tested. At some point, right? At some point, the winds are going to blow. This is it's one of the stories we're going to win. The winds are going to blow and the storm's going to come and we're going to figure out what kind of house you have, right? And it will be revealed. I mean, that's the, 
The fortunate and unfortunate part about storms in life, it reveals the faith you have, right? And, and it gives us a window into. I'm saying fortunate. This is why I say it's fortunate, because you at least have time to change, right? Unfortunate if you never knew and had to stand in front of Jesus and he looked at you and said, I don't even know who you are. That would be unfortunate, right? Because you never had an opportunity where it was like, let's test your faith. Let's see where you're at or let's, let's see how you respond uh, to these types of things. So, again, five catalysts developed by Andy Stanley. We're going to go through those five catalysts starting next week. But today's about building this foundation, Right, So how do we build a foundation that then can go on top of the five catalysts that we have? So if you have a Bible, here's what I want you to do. We're going to turn to Matthew 5, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 5 through 10. So Matthew 5, or Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10. Now, here's what you're going to learn. Now, this might surprise you. This might not surprise you. You're going to hear it in the scripture that we're going to read. If you read all of, of the New Testament, there are only two things that amaze Jesus, right? There's only two things that amaze Jesus. And I would think that most of us, if we hadn't read this story, or you haven't had somebody tell you this, I think you would have been like me, right? What amazes Jesus? Oh, becoming a better person, right? So I was bad, now I'm morally better. What amazes Jesus? Well, then I actually go to church, right? Like, I thought that was pretty amazing, you know, for my own life of where I had been to showing up on a regular basis, I thought that was pretty amazing. I thought it was amazing, you know, I figured God thought it was amazing that I read my Bible, right? That I read my Bible and that I would understand, that I memorized verses. I would have thought, you know, back then that what amazed God was me gaining more knowledge, me being involved in promise keepers, me being involved in a small group. I would have thought those things God would have been like, wow, I'm amazed. And when I read this, I was like, dang. <laughs> Not like he doesn't glad that you're reading your Bible, so don't get me wrong. Please keep reading your Bible, and please keep trying to be a better person, right? But just so you know, and it's all going to make sense here in a little bit, there's only two things that amaze God or that amaze Christ. One, great faith. You know what the second thing is? A lack of faith. The only thing that amazes God. Right? The only thing that when he looks at his people, he's like, <sighs> those people have great faith. And the only thing that he's like, <sighs> is the people who have no faith. Right? So what does it mean scripturally, not based upon what we say, because again, I think we dilute it sometimes when we say people who have great faith. What does scripture mean when it says a person has great faith. Like what does that look like and what does scripture say and how can we have it? So here's what the scripture says in Matthew 8, starting in verse 5. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. So first of all, to understand biblical context, Jesus with a centurion, which would have been a Roman soldier, would have been like, Jesus for sure is not going to help a Roman centurion, right? And for sure, out of all the people that Jesus is dealing with, remember this, Jesus is dealing with Jewish people that have grown up understanding the Torah, having it memorized, understanding all of these things. 
for sure a Greek or a Roman wouldn't understand anything about faith, right? So if you were on the outside and you were looking in, you would have looked at this situation and said, first of all, Jesus will never stop and talk to him. Second of all, if there's anything to be learned, it for sure can't be learned from a centurion, right, from, from a Greek. But then he goes on and says, Lord, this is the help he has. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, uh, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said, Uh, To those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What was so great about that? I mean, right? I mean, it's not like this centurion, you know, if I'm looking at the story, I'm like, it's not like he even really did anything. Like, what did he do? Right? Like, what's the act of obedience that this person did that Jesus is going to be like, oh, my gosh, you give up everything and you move to the mission field. Or, oh, my gosh, you did. He didn't do any of those things. So how is it that Jesus, now think about this, standing with his disciples, right? So he's standing with his disciples, Jewish people are around him. Here's a centurion. Jesus is looking around at his whole crowd, and he says, I've not found, including you, disciples, who have been with me, anyone who has as great a faith as this man. What was so great about what he believed in and what can we learn, right? Here is what, and this is what I'm hoping to build the foundation. Here is what the centurion got right that most of us miss. The centurion had faith not in the healing but in the healer, okay? So that whole authority issue, you know, when he was saying, Like, I get it, Jesus. Here's what I know about you, and I don't know if everybody else has missed this, but I know that you're under the authority of God. You have to be. Like, there's no possible way that you're going to have any power that you have on this earth unless somebody else is giving it to you. And so the centurion realized something that most of us miss. The object, like this is the key thing. Faith always has an object. Okay, does that make sense? So faith always has an object. The object of the centurion's faith was not the healing, but the object of the centurion's faith was the healer, right? So faith always has to have an object, and if you don't understand the object of your faith, you're going to be in trouble, right? So think about this. So when it's time to go to work tomorrow, I have this hope and optimism that I'm going to be able to get up and I'm going to be able to go to work tomorrow, right? Hope and optimism isn't going to get me to work, right? What's going to get me to work? My truck, right? Now, I don't always have the greatest faith in my vehicles. That's why we have 10 of them sitting around or we had 10 of them at one time because not everything starts all the time. But the idea of this is is that My faith is not in my hope and my optimism that I'm going to get to work. My faith is in the object of my vehicle, which is going to be able to get me there. 
Does that make sense? So understanding that if you're going to have faith, then we have to have faith in something that has that is an object. And so that's what the centurion was getting right. The centurion was getting the idea of saying, the object of my faith isn't in what the outcome of it is, but it's in Jesus himself who is under authority. Now, why then do we struggle so much having living faith, if that's the idea? So if living faith takes that we are an object, or we need to have faith in the object of Jesus, why do we struggle so much with it? Well, here's an illustration that I want you to think through. So, we used to go on vacation at this place called Sweet Lake, love to fish, and so here's one of the things that we knew, right? Like when you got up on the lake, you would be kind of trolling around, and then you found the honey hole, anybody that's fisherman, like the place where you're not really fishing anymore, but you're catching, which is really the fun thing about fishing, at least for me, right? Like you're actually catching something and not sitting out there all day doing nothing, right? So you're trolling around, you find the honey. When you find the honey hole, what do you do? Put the anchor down, right? Why do you want to put the anchor down? Because that's where the fish are. You don't want the boat to move, right? And when the wind isn't blowing, this isn't an issue, right? When the wind isn't blowing, there is no problem. You stay right there in the hole. You catch all the fish that you want, you know, and, and you can stay all day, and you could be comfortable, and you could enjoy until it runs out, and then you just pull up anchor, and you go back, but you always go back because then you put a buoy out because you're thinking these could be holes, and you go back to those places. You know when the worst days out there were is when the wind started blowing, and not just a little bit, but a lot of it. And then when the wind started blowing and you throw out your anchor and, you, and then all of a sudden you start, you know, losing, you're not catching any fish anymore. And you realize that your anchor is no longer holding, right? And so as the wind's coming, the, the boat is moving and now you're outside of the hole. So then you try to go back and throw anchor. But here's what you find. The anchor can never hold against the wind, right? That, that happens. When you're out there fishing, the anchor can never hold against the wind. So here is part of the problem or the thing that I wanted us to be able to understand. So here's part of the problem in American Christianity. We throw our anchor, right? We throw our, the object of our faith is on things that move, Right? So when we're out there, we try to find these places of comfort. So when you're young, it's a relationship. And so you throw your anchor and you're like, oh, I'm in this spot and I always want to stay in this spot. And so you throw that anchor and that anchor is on this person that you're in love with. Right? Okay, there ain't no young people in here. It's like, yeah, like you had these moments, right? Like, oh, this is the guy or this is the girl, and you throw your anchor. And then all of a sudden the wind starts blowing. You're like, ah, you know, and you're trying to get it back, but you can't get it back, and the wind of life is blowing, and all of a sudden all the trust and all the hope and that God had this perfect love and it's going to be set up and it's going to be for there forever, and all of a sudden the wind blows and it's gone. And you're like, I put all my faith in him, and it moved. Right? And, and a lot of times as a Christian, we always put God with the things that we're anchoring to. Right? So, you know, as, as you get older, then it's, and, and I see this. So if you're young right now and you're getting ready to go to college, we always said, you know, one of the problems with kids going to college is that they lose their faith. You know why that is? Because you know where their anchor was? In their parents' faith. 
You see what I'm saying? So we taught our children to not have their own faith. We taught them to have our faith. And when they have our faith, the anchor holds because they're around us all the time. And then they leave and the wind comes because now they're going to sit inside of a secular university that's going to start challenging their faith and say, well, you know all those things that you grew up with and the things that it says in the Bible and all this stuff and all of a sudden the wind's blowing and you're like, why is the ship moving? You know why the ship's moving? Because your faith was anchored to your parents and without your parents, you don't have your faith. You see what I'm saying? Because your object of your faith was your parents and not Jesus, right? It wasn't just the object of faith. Or as we get older and you get married, you know, a lot of times the, 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 we have this, this marriage and God's in the center of our marriage and we're putting our anchor in there and then all of a sudden the wind starts blowing inside of your marriage. Yeah, thank you. There are a few of you that had wind blow in your marriage, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, where's the anchor? And you find out really quickly, because people will say to me all the time, like, my anchor is, you know, our marriage is centered and anchored to Jesus. We'll find out when the wind starts blowing whether or not you are anchored to Jesus or anchored to each other. Because when it starts blowing, all of a sudden it starts to reveal where your anchor was hooked to, right? And you start realizing where those things uh, are at. Or, like, uh, in our lives, and I've seen this before, when it comes to money, you know what I mean? Like, the whole idea, remember I'm talking about this before, is like if we make just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and we finally get the house and we get established and do all those things and you throw the anchor and then all of a sudden the wind blows and, you know, but it's God's blessing me and this is all going to be for God and you're throwing your anchor out there and then all of a sudden the wind blows and it all goes away and you're like, what the world just happened? And all of a sudden your faith gets shook up. Right? And your faith gets shook up because your anchor was not in the object of Jesus, but it was in Jesus plus money, right? Or Jesus plus prosperity. Same concept. What happens when you get to the stage in life, and it's different for every one of you, when you get to the stage of your life where your health fails? You know what I mean? Because you've never thought about this before if you've never went through this. But what happens when you get to that place where you think you're always going to be okay? You know what I mean? And you throw the anchor out there and you're going to have, this body is going to take you forever and you're going to live long enough to experience all the things that you want to experience because that's part of what health takes away. Like when you have your health taken away from you, you also have things taken away from you that you want to experience, right? So part of good health is having the experiences you want. So you throw your anchor into it and then all of a sudden you get a diagnosis, and all of a sudden your life is interrupted. And all of a sudden all of those things that you had put your anchor in is now shifting. What do you do? Or maybe you didn't get the diagnosis, but maybe the person that you love got the diagnosis and all of a sudden it's starting to shift. Right? So you see what I'm saying is part of the problem with us as a Christian society isn't that we don't have saving faith or even that we don't want to include God into our living faith. But he for sure at times is not the object of our faith. Because when money goes bad and relationships go bad and health goes bad and all of those things go bad, if you're anchored to Jesus, you will have unshakable faith regardless of the situations in life. Because I guarantee you one thing. He's not moving. The world will. Right? I mean, it just will. 
You can put all your hopes and your dreams and your optimism and all of these things, and you can put your anchor down, but I'm telling you, the things in life will move until we recognize that the only anchor to our faith in this world is the object of Jesus Christ. This is what the centurion got right. When his object of faith was Jesus, God, and them only, regardless of the circumstances of life, could your faith really be shaken? Because the question is, can Jesus be shaken? Come on, this one would be one like, you're still listening to me. Please still listen. Can Jesus be shaken? No. Is Jesus moving? No. Right? So how do we fix the problem? Right? So if, and, and I'm right there with you. I've done many times where I've thrown the anchor to stuff that all of a sudden it starts shifting and I'm like, crap. You know, why do I have an anchor to that thing? I knew I should have had an ever anchor to that because I knew that thing was going to move. And when it moved, it just made me recognize again, wrong, wrong anchor, wrong place. Get it right. Get it back to where it needs to be. So how do we fix the problem? Or what would Jesus have said to all of his people that were sitting around him that didn't get faith? Right? Because I'm hoping this is what you're thinking because this is where I was. Because he would have been talking to me, right, of saying, this guy gets it, you don't. So what do I need to do? What do I need to recognize? What do I need to understand? Here's what you need to understand, or here's what God did about it. The way that God made it so that we could fix this problem of having unshakable faith is he did it by sending his only son, Jesus, to give us an opportunity to have something that we can put our anchor in. And he did it for two reasons, right? Jesus coming to this earth was for two reasons. One was this, is people had said, I need to have faith in God, but a lot of people didn't even understand who God was because God was spirit, right? Which is hard to understand, I think. Don't you guys? Like, if you're trying to understand who God is, he's this ethereal being, and you, you read about him in Genesis, and you're like, well, that was a weird story, you know? Or, like, I can't believe this really happened, or I don't really understand what's going on in the Old Testament. So God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the physical version of me. So you're going to be able to see. You want to know who I am? Look at Jesus. If you want to understand a tangible aspect of who I am, if you want to understand who God really is, then look at Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important when it comes to unshakable faith? Part of the reason that people have faith that gets shook in the wrong directions is because you have the wrong view of God. You grew up with it. And, and I know this because you can't be any different than the people that were in the Bible. The people that are in the Bible, you know, when Jesus came and he said, you've heard it said, but let me tell you, you know why he was saying that? Because people were giving the wrong version of God, right? You've heard it said, but this is the truth. You've heard it said, this is the truth. You've heard it said, this is the truth. That's why I'm always telling you, young people, listen to me. Don't trust the pe preacher and don't trust your parents. Read your own Bible. Because I've seen so many times churches give wrong views of who God is. Right? I've seen preachers give wrong views of who God is. They give a view for an agenda, not for a view for truth. Right? Too many times as parents, and I'm just going to admit this, sometimes we give a view of God to manipulate our children to be better. Well, you know what God's going to do if you don't? I mean, it's not just me. I mean, you know what God does to those kids? People, you know, let me read you the story of how he struck down a thousand for, I don't know what he's going to do for you, but, 
You know, and I, maybe you weren't that parent, but I'm like, hey, you need to understand the wrath side of God before the grace side because at least you know why I'm that way. You know, so sometimes we get the wrong view of God, and so we need a view of God that comes from Scripture. You need to read the Gospels. If you haven't read anything, I don't care what age you are in here, you need to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need to get to know Jesus because once you get to know Jesus, you're going to understand who God is. The other reason that he came. He came to fix, and this is so important, we talked about this in our men's group for a really long time, but this is pivotal if you're going to get unshakable faith. He came to fix what was broken from the beginning. What was broken in the beginning with Adam and Eve? What was severed? Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God, they sinned. What was severed? Relationship, right? Jesus Christ came back then to fix what? Relationship. The whole idea of you having faith is for you to be in a relationship. Not for you to follow the rules. Not for you to just attend church. Not for you just to show up at Bible study. Not for you just to take notes and do nothing about it. Right? The idea is now Jesus came back, died on a cross, so now you could be in relationship with with God through Jesus. Now, the currency of every great relationship is this, and we know this. It was what was broken in the beginning and what Jesus came back to fix, trust. You know why Adam and Eve sinned? They didn't trust God, right? God said you could have everything in this garden except for this, and they're like, I don't trust you. I need this. The currency in every great relationship is the opportunity for us to be able to put our full trust in Jesus, not just our belief in. We all got this, right? Like, in American church, way too many people believe in but don't trust in. You can have an intellectual belief that say, I believe in Jesus Christ and who he is, and I can say all the right words, and I can read the Bible, and I can do all these things, and I ask the question all the time. But do you trust him? Because relationships foundationally have to be built on trust. If you don't have trust, how good is your relationship? Anybody that's ever been in a relationship where the trust has been broken, how hard is it to build and love one another right when you don't trust each other? Yeah, thank you. You can't do it. You can say you can't. You can't. The greatest thing inside of a marriage is even when you don't feel loved because the circumstances of your marriage, but you trust that your spouse loves you anyway. Right? Like if you've been there, here's what I hope you know. If you have trust in your spouse today, it's not always going to be good. That one should be amen. Right? It's not always going to be good. It's not always going to go right. But you know what you can celebrate? If you guys have full trust in one another, even though the winds of life has caused even a little bit of strife, at the end of the day, you can go to bed saying, you know what, today wasn't a perfect day, but I know that he loves me. And I can trust that. And you can go to bed with the comfort to know that your spouse loves you. That's what Jesus Christ is trying to do with his people. The foundation of having unshakable faith is this. Regardless how hard the wind blows and regardless of the circumstances of life, 
God loves you. And you know what? You can trust him. You can trust him. Regardless of what your circumstances of life are right now, you can trust the Lord. So, I'm going to invite the band back up. I want to give you a couple things to think about. So, as you're processing this to go off of these five catalysts and make it right, here's some questions for you guys today. Right? When you look at your life, I think it's easy for each one of us to say that the object of our faith is Jesus, right? The object of our faith is Jesus, and he's unshakable. My faith is going to be unshakable. And so I always just tell everybody, take an opportunity to do an inventory of your life and open your heart up to the listening to the Holy Spirit for him to reveal where your anchors are in the wrong places. Because... Always better, in my opinion, to be able to see those things before the wind comes than when the wind does come. And so I'll just challenge you to be thinking of those things. Because these five catalysts that we're going to talk about in these next coming weeks, they're not going to make any sense to you if the object of your faith is in something other than Jesus. Right? Like it's all going to be good things to talk about and it's going to be catalysts that's going to help you. But if your object of your faith is not in, the, in Jesus, then things are going to get moved and your faith is going to struggle. So I wanted to end with my own personal story. So uh, if you look at Sherry and I's life, this is what's so interesting you know, about our life. And it always kind of comes back to this idea of, you know, I was talking about when we were up at Sweet Lake and you, you kind of find that sweet spot. You're always trying to drift for it till you find it. You know, Sherry and I talked about this a lot, like, you know, you're married in the beginning and then you start having kids and it's all good, but you know, you start drifting thinking, you know, and this series life is good and next series life is good. And so we had been talking four or five years ago, we had been drifting through, you know what I mean? Not that we weren't enjoying and not that good things weren't happening, but we were drifting, working towards the sweet spot, right? Where... The kids are going to be graduated, going to have grandkids. And, I, and some of you guys that are older in life, you can, you know, go with them at. Money's not as hard, you know what I mean, when you're trying to raise kids and you're trying to get it all done. Having enough money is never enough, you know. And the kids are involved. And never having enough time because you're always helping your kids do stuff. So, and then you get grandkids where you can play with them and send them home, you know, so you don't. Like, all of those things are coming. And so now all these things are coming together where... We had given our entire lives to our family and wanted to keep doing that, but at the same time, we are gonna be able to have time together. We are gonna be able to travel. We are gonna be able to do all the things that, you know, we had been waiting for. And we had thrown our anchor towards it, you know what I'm saying? Like, we were anchored down in the sweet spot. But you know what happened? The wind blew. And the wind came, you know, with Sherry's cancer diagnosis, and, and it just like, part of your initial response was, we waited all this time, God, all of this time for this moment, and now it's moving, and it's going away, and what's going on, and I don't understand all of those things, rocking babies and going on vacation and spending time together and having all that stuff. It seems like you're losing ground, right? 
Anybody tracking with me? You know what I mean? Like it's moving away from where you wanted to stay and where you wanted to be. And the wind keeps blowing. And for me, personally, and for Sherry, I know too, we talk about this. Those anchors aren't holding right now. <laughs> Those anchors are keeping us in that place. But you know the anchor that's holding? The anchor that guarantees me this. My Father in heaven loves me. And I can trust him. And you know what else? Lance told me this on the way home. I called him. We were going from one hospital to another hospital. And I was talking to Lance on the phone. And Lance called me back the next day. And he said, I want to tell you something that God told me. He said, I want to tell you, God said that he loves Sherry more than you. And I'm like, that's an anchor that will hold knowing that I can trust a father, because I would think this would be impossible to love my wife more than I do, but it's true. You know what I mean? The anchor that's going to hold that we can trust and have faith in is that the father in heaven is trustworthy. He's not moving. He loves us and we can put our trust and our faith in him. And even though the wind of life is blowing, we're going to stay centered in the only thing that's not gonna move. And so will you stand so I can pray for you? I want to pray for you because for each one of us, we experience those things at different levels, right? Like we want to keep things where they are, but the wind comes and things start to shift. And I want you through this series to recognize the anchor that's going to hold in your life that's going to give you unshakable faith so that you too can be a witness to this world of the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters in the end is the thing that will never move. And that's our faith in Jesus Christ and our relationship with our Father God. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you today understanding and trying to build this foundation of understanding of what it means to have unshakable faith, knowing that in this world we anchor ourselves to objects that move all the time. And so, Lord, today I pray that for each one of us we'll check where we're, we're throwing our anchors, Lord, and understand where we shouldn't, the things that are moving, and where we should be anchored, and that's in you. So my prayer as we go through this series is that, first of all, everybody will come back and be a part of this journey together to encourage one another in these five catalysts of faith so that we can be a witness to a world who has thrown their anchors in the wrong spots, to give them something in a chaotic, crazy world where they can anchor to and the things won't move and it'll hold. May we be a witness to that. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So as we leave today, I would just challenge each one of us to take this opportunity to allow God to search our hearts, to um, help us understand where we're anchored to objects that we shouldn't be anchored to and that we can reevaluate where we are in life and understand how to throw our anchors to the things that will never move, and that being Jesus Christ. So I hope that you'll be back with us next week as we start looking at these five catalysts uh, of how to grow our faith and as we continue through this entire series. So thanks for being here with us this week, and we'll see you guys again next week.